0: The, the comparison game that you are going to play in your head and your heart is an absolute lie. Do not listen to it. Now, do be open to people's uh, constructive and critical feedback because you need to grow as an artist. Right. <laughs> um, that's super important. Um, but but what, I, what we need to also realize is that us as, an, as a collective of artists and as a collective of creatives... Um, should actually have a similar voice. Between the Grooves is hosted by James Curtis, music director and morning man in the greater Toronto area on Joy Radio. Host James Curtis talks to artists and industry insiders to discover the connection between music and faith. You can connect with the show at faithstrongtoday.com slash grooves or via Twitter at Between Grooves.
1: here we go. Welcome to Between the Grooves, your weekly look at music, ministry, and everything in between with today's top Christian artists. And we're going to get right into it this week. A story of growth, a story of reconciliation, exciting things happening in the life of Canadian singer-songwriter Jake Fretz, as well as his church. It's been a difficult 16 months for many. Big learning curve, a lot of changes, a lot of negative, also a lot of positive. Let's get into this conversation. Jake Fretz, worship pastor, artist. You've got a brand new single that's hit radio called Here Comes the Kingdom. Great song, by the way.
0: Oh, hey, thanks, James. Appreciate it.
1: You, uh, you've you been doing this for a while. You, you haven't really released music to radio, I guess, over the last few years, but you've been in the worship arena for, for many, many years. You're a worship pastor at Prairie Alliance Church in Manitoba. What's it been like leading worship during a pandemic?
0: Oh, man. You know, it's been so for out of the 20 years that I've been leading worship, I mean, straight from high school, I've never seen anything like this before. Where <laughs> None of us have. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, exactly. But what's more bizarre is trying to lead a camera in yeah, worship. Yeah. Um, one, of the, one of the things I realized that I was missing so much was the people in the room who are getting to worship together with. So that community, um, man, trying to get a, trying to get a A camera to sing along, or trying to get a camera to stand up when it's when it's that part of the song where you need everyone to rise out of their chair and and to belt it at the top of their lungs. That was that was a definite challenge that I did not see coming. Uh, So that being said, if I'm really honest, I've actually come to really appreciate and enjoy this season Mm -hmm. because it's allowed me as a worship pastor and us as a worship ministry to begin to evaluate what do we do and with a different set of eyes and with a different amount of intentionality. So so I, I, on one hand, I miss a lot or I, I miss worshiping with people and I can't wait to have them in, back in the room. But I feel like we've also taken this last year and a half to really make good on what we could do in this season in a way that we would never have been able to do if we didn't have the opportunity like we had. Right,
1: right. Now, have mm-hmm. you been doing everything live or was it pre-recorded?
0: Do you know we've tried both, okay, uh, and and with a with a mix of, um, you know, just with mixed reviews. Frankly, the pre-recorded stuff is great simply because you can place a higher value on production. Um, yeah, but then the you spend a lot effect.
1: more time on it too.
0: Oh man, you you record the same song five or six times, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, and not only do you do that, you're dealing with with uh, volunteers, so you're talking about an extensive amount of time. It's not like they're here during the day; they're here on an evening. So suddenly, to do a five song set, you're and you're doing each song five times. You know, you're 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 basically playing like twenty five songs, and you're trying to record the whole thing. Yeah. So then you're dealing with fatigue, and, and you're also trying to you're trying to capture a moment, and you're trying to lead people into a moment to meet with Jesus. So trying to trying to pre-record that almost becomes like you're fabricating something. You're like, Hey, did we, did we clap loud enough? Did we, did we look like we were worshiping Jesus? And, and that actually, um, that changed the way that we had to do it and started getting us to ask some questions about, all right, what is the heart behind what we're doing? Mm -hmm. Um, So, so in that I I found the pre-recording actually led us to just simply doing live recordings. Um, And that's where we ended up landing. And we've been doing that now for, for over a year.
1: Now, by live recordings, it's still pre-recorded, but you're doing it live like this is the way we're not going to spend some time going in and editing or changing or anything like that.
0: No, I'm talking about Sunday morning live streaming in real okay. time. Okay. It happens as it happens. Okay, um, and, and we progress towards that. Right. I, I will say we did not start there. Actually, sorry, we did start there, and it was terrible. We were terrible. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it, it was, it, it really was bad. Um, now, I, anybody who's my friends were listening, we've all laughed about this already. But, but yeah, we watched our videos of like we don't sound anything like we thought we sounded like. Right. We don't. Yeah. We we can't play as well as we thought we could play. Um, we don't look like we're actually meeting with Jesus, nor do we look like we're trying to engage people. Um, man, we have a lot of things to learn. So we went back and began to pre-record everything. And then we gave our sound techs and our musicians a chance to to brush up and, and to and to grow in their skills. And as we developed, we found then it became, one, uh, less of a burden uh, time-wise and tech-wise, but two, uh, it became a more real experience if we could do it in, in real time, live on the Sunday morning and, and try to execute everything in real time.
1: Right. My brother is a pastor in Ontario, and um, we've been tuning into his church uh, a lot over the you know last year and a half. Um, and I, I found this was interesting. I mean, one of the positive things for me personally is I don't have to get up as early on a Sunday morning. I can sleep in a little. <laughs> I can eat breakfast while praise and worship is happening. So I might not be participating in that sense. Um, yeah. I was running a little late this past Sunday, and my my wife was already tuned in. And I'm kind of, you know, listening as I'm doing whatever. And uh, can I say it sounded so professional, so clean. I mean, the audio was crisp. The quality of the musicians was incredible. The singing, you know, nobody off key or whatever. I didn't actually know that she was tuned in the service. I thought she was listening to, um, you know, a YouTube video of the song that they were worshiping with. I honestly thought it was the original artists uh, that were, you know, performing. And, and she was just watching that while she was passing the time. So I, wow. I would say that it certainly forced churches to get better in what they do.
0: Absolutely. Um, you know, I mean, make sure you, you tell your brother that by the way, that's just such a gift. That's a real, real compliment.
1: Well, he's an amazing Um, guitarist too. So, I mean, him adding the, you know, the electric in there once in a while or, or, you know, um, yeah, I mean, he's not the only musician, but he's one of them. And, uh, and they are very music-focused in their church as well. But I just found in previous weeks it wasn't as tight. So obviously they had a good sound mm-hmm. person, they had good musicians, they had good singers. All around it sounded amazing. So I'm in another room hearing this. I'm thinking, is, is that his church or is that something else that my wife's <laughs> watching? And it was, it was phenomenal. Wow. It was good.
0: Wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah, you know, I, I found that a lot of churches have had really up their game on the tech side of things, um, but then also just in a, in a creative sense. The I, I think what we what we did a lot before was we allowed the energy in the room to hide a lot of our mistakes yeah. as musicians, yeah. and then we also we also let it hide a ton of our um, I wouldn't ever even say mistakes, but maybe inexperience as audio technicians. Uh, so where you would might not know what to throw in your signal chain to pr- to provide a, a polished sound. So what compressors, EQ's, um, you know, even effects that you might throw on top of there. Uh, I just found that this season has provided a great learning curve um which was I will admit steep. Mm-hmm. But it, but it's provided a great learning curve for for our congregation. Um and and you know, especially in my situation, we we are it, here in Portage-la-Prairie, but we actually have um, multi-sites around in rural towns here in Manitoba as well. So we, so we actually um, broadcast our live worship to Nipah an hour away, and it uh, goes out to Dryden, Ontario, four hours away, mm-hmm. and and we're going up to Dauphin two hours away. So so we've had to really polish what we're doing and make sure that it's, it's not really a distraction. And I think that that's the heart of it, right?
1: Yeah. Um, now, are, are, when you're talking about the ahead. audio side of things, the, the, yeah. uh, I mean, I've done audio, church audio, but audio in general for years and years and years. And I think the one of the issues churches uh, in general had to deal with at the beginning of this pandemic when they were forced to be online versus in person was to recognize that live audio is very different from, Uh, you know online audio The, the the sound is completely different you might add effects in live and it's hidden by the congregation um and it's just hidden by the you know filling of the room as far as the sound is concerned and then it's so much more predominant online that you gotta roll back the effects you know
0: oh absolutely yeah. Do you know I mean, much like I'm sure other churches, we ended up having to build a recording studio over the last two years. So we had to set up a whole separate room with separate monitors, uh, separate mixing station, separate uh, audio engineer, and, and mixing simply for that. And then you're going and checking uh, all the other computers, or you grab the phone and you go take a walk and you're like, okay, what is the trans or how does this translate after it's being compressed again by YouTube or whatever yeah. other, um, whatever other site you're using to stream. And uh, yeah, it, it's, you just, you got to do a ton more work. Um, I think it's worth it. I think, I think being able to, to translate those moments and translate that emotion uh, in real time and having techs who are able to, mm, let's say, use the effects to nuance uh, the emotion that's happening in the song. Mm-hmm. Um, I, think, I think it's a skill set that, that we've overlooked for a long time kind of just let we just we just kind of let it go for a long time because if everyone was singing in the room, most of us were happy right yeah We're like, look it, they're all singing along. The guitarist is smiling the worship leader is belting it out. We don't care if their voice cracks. not really most people might might not even catch it this, some people might, but a lot of these things we just kind of let it slide by but when you're when you're watching something that is recorded that is being streamed uh, the the expectation is just that much higher. And so, if if you ha- if you're having any of those things, they're being captured. They can get rewatched. Um, you, you just you just need to up your game. Yeah,
1: I mean, so, you hear everything online, so oh, you can everything. I mean, it, you can hide <laughs> and mask things as much as you want with bad singers or bad musicians, but you can hear all of that stuff, and that's why, you know, obviously the quality of you know excellence as far as the musicians and singers is concerned is so important, and also. The sound guy, the sound guy. It's interesting because way, way back when I had the opportunity, I had sent off my resume and I had some audio experience. I sent my uh, resume off to a bunch of radio stations and TV stations and stuff. And I got a call back from from a TV station, actually, of all Mm. things. And uh, now I'd already accepted a job somewhere else. So I never took this one. But the first question this audio guy asked me at the TV station was, what musical instruments do you play? First question. And the reason why is because he wanted something, somebody musical. And, and I'm a firm believer for an audio engineer. If they've got a musical background, they're going to be your best guy because they know how things are supposed to sound. They can hear things that a guy who's not a singer or not a musician wouldn't necessarily hear.
0: Oh, absolutely. Well, your sound tech is part of your band.
1: Absolutely. I think
0: yeah. often, especially in churches, what we end up doing is we talk about sound, we talk about the musicians, and then we talk about tech, and we really consider them to be two separate teams or two separate entities. And one of the great things that we've been able to see over this last year is when it's only the sound or when it's only the techs and the musicians in the room, because no one else is allowed in the room, you pray together. You Mm -hmm. connect, you realize you are one big family and, and then it is our role as one big family to lead the church at this moment. So what do you do? You start unifying and working together. You start talking. We started having the best candid conversations we've ever had, which if I'm really honest, hurt a lot of feelings at moments, Um, (laughs) (laughs) but, but we're, we're all so much better for it. Yeah. To be able to dive in, to be able to actually, you know, part of our process now in our church is that the entire band and the tech, we we all watch the service back and make notes of, hey, here's what we're doing good as a team. Here's what we're here's where we could grow. Here's where I personally could bring a um, bring my best next time and, and improve next time so that I could better serve the whole team. And as we've been able to bring that dialogue up to the front, and, and not just kind of shove that down, or just let it slide by, mm-hmm. uh, we found that we've been able to grow as a church um, immensely faster than having one person or one producer who simply says yes, that's yay or nay, essentially as we as we produce it,
1: right. Now, as far as uh, leading worship during a pandemic and everything being online and, and all of that, that, that's one thing, getting through all the technical stuff, uh, getting through the, uh, you know, recognizing that you're, you're in front of a camera and there's people behind that camera, but it's not a congregation of hundreds of people or anything like that you, that you can physically see. What was, the, what was the focus as far as worship was concerned? Like, what was the, what was the message in your worship?
0: Um, so you got to bring it back down to interacting with the living God in Mm -hmm. real time in that real moment and, and that this isn't a passive experience. So worship isn't something that you let happen to you. God, God's not the one who's actually worshiping God's worship. If worship is this interaction between God's revelation and then our response, then the biggest focus over the last year as we've been meeting with our congregation is asking people to stand no matter where they are. To sing out loud, no matter where they are. Right. Um, if it's appropriate to bow where you are, or to hold the hands of the family members beside you when we read our benediction prayer or our opening prayer together, um, we we actually follow a little bit of a, a homemade liturgy, if you will. So we have we do a four week rotation of upside down party, where up is our relationship with God, side is a relationship with one another, down we want to serve just like Jesus did, and party we want to celebrate a good God who gives good gifts. So so we actually have four prayers that we say every four weeks and and as we do that we encourage everyone to not just passively sit on the couch and to let this happen to you rather you need to engage right Um, and and as you do this maybe even close your eyes and imagine the the person who's in the living room across the street joining in with you or the person who's now four hours away who is part of the same family Mm -hmm. and and enter in with all of your heart with all of your mind and and now even if you're singing by yourself in the living room with all of your strength Sing it out. Um, so there's this there's this idea that we need to be the ones to actually bring something back to Jesus, that we want to respond back to him. And, and that's really been the focus. Right. Entering in, right?
1: Yeah, because it can't be just one person. It, it, it can't just be spectators.
0: No, you know, if, if you're doing that, at best, God is a really good entertainment. <laughs> And man, that (laughs) like if you're just going to sit there and passively let it happen in front of you, I think historically um, that just – well, I mean I shouldn't say historically. I I, I would hope that it's obvious, but it just cheapens God. It, It makes him to be this sideline show where we expect him to just do whatever we want him to do that makes us happy and if we don't like it, we'll change the channel. Right, and I, I don't, I don't think that's discipleship. I don't think that's what it looks like to have a relationship with Jesus. What, what we need to do is we need to be engaging with all of ourselves because, after all, He engaged with all of Himself, mm-hmm. right? By putting Himself on the cross, He, he gave everything, and, and then He calls for nothing less than than that when we come to Him too. So. So, yeah, we, we have to bring everything we have. And, and I think what has been fun in this season as well is, like I said, with those with those four rhythms, that upside down party, um, we've been able to also stretch our understanding and our definition of worship. So often, I mean, especially as a musical artist, uh, so often worship is synonymous with music and the songs that we sing to Jesus. Uh, what's been fun over this year is that we are taking time to sing to Jesus on an up week where, you know, Like many churches, we're we're celebrating communion, but we're including that and saying, hey guys, recognize that this is part of your worship. When we're encouraging one another, recognizing that gathering together is part of worship, that we as a collective body get to respond to Jesus and respond to what he's done. Um, That means that we take the time to encourage one another. We all jump on our phones and during the service, we start sending encouragements um, to one another just to build up the body. Mm -hmm. And then on on down weeks, uh, you know, we we take our serving God and worshiping God through service in a different way. And we actually gather, gather groceries. So a fun thing that our family does is my wife will take the kids to, uh, to the pantry and they'll say, okay guys, pick a shelf. And, and I have four kids and the four kids will kind of, you know, debate amongst themselves to pick which ones they'll, they'll choose. But then they pick a, pick a section of cupboards and all of that goes into bags. And we go bring that to our local food bank or to families that we know who are in need safely, safely, following COVID restrictions and everything, but, uh, but we get to do that as a whole church. And so we've been able to find a ton of ways to be able to, to bless other people. And, and in that, that's, that's worship. We're taking the genera or we're, we're responding to the generosity that God's shown to us. Yeah. So get, getting to broaden that definition of worship, I think is really important during the season as well.
1: It is. And, and I guess the, you know, the, the difficult thing for, for people that are or that have been stuck at home for the last year and a half. and and things are looking optimistic. You know more and more sure. th- things are opening up and churches are able to, you know, have people physically in you know, in their uh, in their buildings and and whatnot. But you know, it's been it it's certainly different when that starts up again because people have been used to a year and a half of, Not necessarily participating, watching, because don't forget, you know, when you when you're going onto YouTube and you're watching stuff, whether it be a music video or a church service or whatever, somebody preaching, it's it's so easy to become the spectator because that's what you that's what you do on on YouTube. That's what you do on social media. You're a spectator. You're not necessarily participating. Right.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think the biggest challenge for as things continue to open up and as we are welcomed back into the buildings, um, we're going to have to get rid of that God on demand kind right, of yeah. mentality that we've had. Right. Where, yeah. where it's just like, mm, I'm feeling like a little bit of Jesus right now. Let me cue up the songs. Right. Let me cue up the service um, where on one hand, it means that that we've probably become very resourceful about where we can um where we can learn from. So I think a lot of us have been able to, to find great avenues for teaching and great avenues for learning through the internet and through the multiple different, uh, offerings that churches are putting out on the internet. But, but beyond that, I think it's going to be really important discipline for us as disciples to simply go to church on a Sunday morning yeah, and to be there and to see one another. And, you know, I've I had the opportunity to preach the other day, and one of the things I was saying that I kind of missed, and as grotesque as this sounds, is I miss the smell of coffee in the room when everyone starts singing because it's on their breath from that morning. (laughs) It's gross, (laughs) I know. (laughs) But I remember, like, it it didn't even dawn on me until finally, like, I, I can't remember if I smelled just, like, old coffee grounds or whatever. I'm like, what is that? That's that smells like worship. That smells like worship. What is it? There's the burning incense from the Old Testament, right. but yeah, it's like my perspective. I'm normally on stage, so I got 500 people, you know, singing out at me with their coffee breath, and it was just like, oh yeah, yeah. There, there is something that is that is palpable, right? Right. <laughs> when we when we meet together, uh, we're going to want to make sure that we discipline ourselves to actually go take part in that. Yeah and the, and to bring ourselves and and expect that when we go it's not just going to be a now i like at first I could have God on demand, now I'm going to be able to get a bigger show when I go there in person. No, no, I'm going to go and I'm actually going to serve and I'm going to be part of his hands and his feet and I'm going to bless the people that I'm I'm going to sit with, that I'm going to be able to encourage, that I'm going to be able to say hi to, that I'm going to be able to welcome them hopefully back into our home soon for meals. Uh, We want to be able to fellowship together. Mm -hmm. I I think it's going to be a really important part of our discipleship.
1: Now on a different note, uh, you're sure. uh, you know you're a worship pastor, but you're also an artist. Um, you know mm-hmm. you you release music and it gets played on the radio, uh, so you're a songwriter um, and you're a guitarist. Can you can you walk me through the writing process for you when you when you write music? Now, I understand you have you have a ton of guitars. How many how many guitars do you actually have?
0: Oh, okay. Do you know what I've actually been going through a switch and I've been selling them and getting rid of them. Oh, okay. Cause, not, cause you because you lost count or? or? Yeah, wait, well, do you know what? <laughs> I, I, I have found that, uh, <laughs> okay, if I'm really honest, um, one of the things that's in my heart is greed. So it's easy for me to look at something and be like, I want that. Yeah. Uh, so it's actually been a really good discipline for me to just simply start to strip back and say, I think I only need this electric guitar to make this sound. Now, do I have others on the list? Yes, but primary, but I have other people who can play those. Uh, what's best for me right now is to have this guitar and to have this acoustic. So I, I actually primarily live between three guitars right now. Okay. Um, and I have two acoustics, one electric. Uh, uh, they're all custom done in a way. And they're the ones that I love. Uh, they sound really different from each other. But beyond that, um, I've made it a bit of a discipline that if I want a different sound, maybe it's a better excuse to just simply invite somebody else into the process. Sure. Rather than me try to make it myself.
1: Right. So yeah. is your guitar with you when you are writing? Like, are you one of these guys? My, my brother's a guitarist, so he's always okay. got the guitar in his in his lap and he's, you know, we'll have family reunions. He's got the guitar out just strumming and, you know, maybe it'll be a song. Maybe he's just picking away or whatever. Is that is that your songwriting process?
0: Okay. So if I have a guitar, I'll play it all the time. And if I always have a guitar in no matter what building I'm in. So here, here in my office right now, I have two hanging on the walls and I have another one at home. But my songwriting process is more about the moments in between everything. So it's the moments where I'm driving from one place to another. It's the moments where I'm walking or or where I'm doing dishes. It's the, it's the little moments where I get to reflect and spend time with Jesus. Um, it's in those little little interactions that a small melody comes up or one phrase, uh, just kind of comes alive in a way that I've, that I've haven't heard before and I immediately grab my phone and I sing it into my phone. My phone is filled of, someone would think I'm really, really vain if they ever (laughs) went through my photos because they'd see all these little vote and they'd also think I'm weird because it looks like I'm filming up my nose all the time. (laughs) Um, But (laughs) because I just have all these little snippets of songs. Right. And And then from there, uh, I begin to sing, and, and then I grab a guitar and and I begin to craft whatever the verse or the chorus is. Often things will begin with a course and begin with a a, a uh, begin with a hook, and then I begin to then discipline myself with a craft of writing a song around that and beginning to filter all the different ideas that I have. So so that that's where the process begins for me personally, um, and then we have a fun process here, especially with the, all the songs that I've released so far, where. I begin to welcome our congregation into the mix. So often what I do is I write a song or I write a, even a course and then I fly the course by our congregation. Um, so a good example of that is a few years ago, Every Fear Must Fall. Yep. Um, actually, yeah, it was last summer when I released that song. That song actually came out of a chapel that I was leading for a junior high group uh, or junior high classes actually here at a, at a Christian school. Um, One of the students was diagnosed with cancer and it was, it was super scary. And, and at that point they didn't know what the diagnosis was going to be. And so they were breaking this news in the chapel and I realized that, oh, I've been writing this course that every fear must fall and I've been writing this bridge that, you know, speak, Jesus speak one word from you and all my fear will cease. And I realized, I'm like, I think that's for this moment. At that point there was no verses or there were no verses to that song, I just simply went up and, and as I led one song, I said, okay, I think I have a new song for us. And I quickly scribbled down the lyrics and I gave them to the, to the uh, computer tech and he like typed them in super fast. Right. Like, I just want you guys to sing through this with me. And as we sing this, we're going to use this as a prayer uh, for the student. And, and that's how that song actually caught on. From there, uh, we then started to make tweaks because you realize you might have a line or two that are really hard for the congregation to sing along with. And, and as, a, as a worship leader, I'm always trying to listen to what's going to be accessible. And as an artist, I'm always trying to balance that idea of what's creative and then trying to find that middle ground of, <laughs> of what is both creative and accessible for our congregation um, so that people can meet with Jesus and be inspired to meet with Jesus. Right. So, yeah, that, that's, that's, the, that's the process of what it looks like to begin to write a song.
1: Can you tell me, uh, if, is there a story behind your latest single, Here Comes the Kingdom?
0: Oh man here comes the kingdom here comes the kingdom begin with the realization that I'm really selfish <laughs> if I'm really honest <laughs> uh, I I realized that for way too long I've been trying to shove Jesus into my little agenda that I, I spent so much focus on inviting Jesus into my life that I was missing the invitation into his kingdom so so often I was going to Jesus and saying and I was saying hey jesus i feel guilty would you let me feel your forgiveness um you know i feel weak would you let me feel your power and i feel you insert and would you do this for me and and i was i was treating them kind of like fast food and and i miss the invitation that 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 god god's priority is to reconcile heaven and earth right he he's he through his death and resurrection he has power over sin And every single one of its symptoms. And he is going to make all things right. Mm -hmm. And he calls us into that story. So rather than trying to fit him into my story, um, I found that I needed to find a place in his. And he, in his grace, just led me to that. So in actuality, of, of, of the last songs that I've released, of the last five, this is, I think, the first that I wrote. Um because this is where everything began it began with this realization that that i'm missing purpose in my life because i i was only living for myself uh
1: in my opinion this is the best one yet thank you just just and i'm not trying to brown nose yeah no i appreciate
0: that it it, you know it's probably i was gonna say it's the most personal but maybe i want your heart is is right up there with the, the personal side of it but but uh but yeah, the, the idea that we can come alive in God's kingdom and that that all these things will happen. What's amazing is in this song, I've seen all these things happen so far in our church. Yeah, I, I've seen people physically been healed. I, I I've seen the reconciliation um, in, within broken families, within broken relationships. I'm watching it happen here in my town. Um, you know, with current events between uh, Indigits and indigenous leaders and non-indigenous leaders and be in the church. I'm watching that reconciliation happen right mm-hmm, now. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I'm getting to, I'm getting to live these stories. So, so I, of all the songs, I'm actually the, definitely the most excited about this one right now because I'm watching it play out right in front of
1: me. I think it's really timely. I've been listening to a message series on, uh, the title of the message series is justice but with the justice is reconciliation so everything you're saying just just uh, resonates uh, completely with me right now and like you said mm. especially with current events happening um, not just Canada but North America for that matter uh, yep. can you can you share as has there been any uh, you mentioned that uh, you know the indigenous uh, people and and how this song has kind of you know meant more to you because of that can you share a little bit more about that
0: sure I, I can bring you how is this i'll bring you in on a story that's happening and you i don't know the ending yet and neither do you but we're gonna watch it play out okay so, so this is this I, is
1: late breaking folks this is this is you know, here, this is it you heard it here it's it's happening <laughs> right as we speak that's right
0: yeah what's pretty amazing is over the last uh, actually throughout covid um no let me backtrack uh Portage, is, so I didn't grow up in Portage. I, I actually grew up in Southern Ontario, um, in Burlington. I spent another 12 years out in Saskatchewan. And then I've, I found myself here in Manitoba, really feeling like God led me here. Did not totally understand why. Um, and sometimes not even sure how I ended up here, but it just, it was the perfect place. And as soon as I got here, I knew that God had me here for a reason. Um, over the last f- years, we've just been cultivating relationships with uh with our neighbors. And for us, uh, we have f- four, if not five, indigenous communities just surrounding us here and, and one third of my town is actually indigenous. So so for us to love our neighbor means that reconciliation has to be part of part of our story. Mm-hmm. We can't avoid that. Um so as we've built friendships and as we've looked to um you know serve one another and just to grow to get to know one another, there became this need that we were able to see, uh, that spiritual songs and indigenous culture was being forgotten and simply being forgotten because the older generation was passing away and, and the, the culture was not being shared with the younger generations in a way that it was going to be remembered. So, so recently, um, we've actually been invited into this preservation of culture which again, we didn't understand what was going to be found in Kamloops or in Saskatchewan and, and all the things that were going to be hitting the news. This story was happening long before that, mm-hmm. um, but God was just leading us into through these friendships uh, into this in this great opportunity where um, our church is in the process of actually buying a plane right now. Really? And we're, yeah, really. It's <laughs> and not, not just. And here's the thing: is um, when I say buying a plane, it's it's wild to see how much this matters to Jesus. Because when we announced to our church that, hey, you know what? We've we've been able to partner with a few folks and it looks like we're going to get to do this. We need about 70, 70 more grand. We got a call like the next day. I'm not even exaggerating. Next day saying, hey, um, here's the 70. You're good. Let's keep going. And, and Jesus can, continues to show up that every time there's a financial need, somebody like within within days shows up and just says, oh, I heard about this. I'm in. And And it seems like God is stirring people's hearts behind this project which I shouldn't say project behind this um, yeah this opportunity uh, and and it's he's just stirring people's hearts to bring people back together so this matters to Jesus it's incredible and and what it looks like right now is that within the next uh, month maybe two we're going to be in, getting to fly into northern communities and begin to uh, record these songs for no other agenda than to simply preserve them and, and to give them back to the community so it's not like we're going to catch them or collect them and and do something with them after the fact. Um, That's not our role. Our role is simply to be there to help them be preserved and help preserve a culture that is, that's being lost right here in our midst.
1: Right. Instead of ramming down your culture down their throat.
0: Oh, absolutely. You know, so if I could bring this up, I was talking to someone else about this and, and their first response, which, which might be like many's was, was simply that, Oh, man, if, if you're going to capture all these songs, what you should do is then package them up into a CD. And we need to like or not a CD in an album. We should share them around for everybody. Um, and and already the, the agenda was starting to form behind what we were going to be able to do. And, right. and we just had to pause and just simply say, hey, you know, um, assuming our, that we have that kind of authority over someone else's culture is what's got us here in the first place, right? We need to back, we need to back up.
1: Yeah. That's not Um, for you to necessarily decide. Now, if they decide to do that, two thumbs up, right. But that's for them to do. That's for them to take the credit and to say, you know, here's, here's what we've done, uh, obviously with some help, but but yeah, that, it's their call, not
0: yours. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So, so what we're right in the middle of right now is as we get to uh, you know, as I'm releasing the song about "Here Comes the Kingdom" and talking about reconciling heaven reconciling heaven and earth, and and we getting to be part of that light. We're now getting to live out the story of, of, of you know, honoring people who are made in the image of God, yeah. and getting to live that out in a really unique way. Uh, so yeah, that's super exciting. I, I I don't know how else to say it. I. And and every time I try to talk, I, I feel like I, I might say too much because I, I don't know how the story is going to end. We're right, right in the middle of it. Yeah. But it, but it is it is pretty amazing to see how quickly things are coming together. And and, to and how
1: timely goes. too. You know, like oh, you absolutely. said, this has been you know in process for months and months and months long before you know any headlines uh, happening in Canada. You know.
0: Years. Do you know Do you know what's really cool about this? There is no agenda. This was not a strategic plan to go out and to isolate a people group and to and to do something for them, because then we've made people projects again. Right. And 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 for and too often, I mean, I, I, I mean, I'm probably preaching to the choir, but I mean, too often we make people into projects, and and then therefore we miss the people. We 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 dishonor the person who's actually made in the image of God, um, and by by just degrading them down into a project. In this case, these are friends. Mm-hmm. We're all on a first name basis. We're all going to go and be on a first name basis with these new communities that we're going to engage with, um, and and then we'll see how the recording process goes to be able to help preserve these songs. But but beyond that, there's no like big strategy or big agenda that's trying to push this. It's just simply us trying to be faithful in the moments that we're discovering ourselves in, and realizing that when you look in hindsight that that it looks like God's been orchestrating something all along.
1: Mm-hmm. I will say, uh, your comment about this is not a project, uh, that's a powerful message for the church, because how, how often does that happen in the church where, you know, there's this big vision and now it's a project and this is the way we're going to do it and we need this person, this person, and this person, and they don't necessarily, they haven't necessarily bought into the project, um, but the project is precedence. It's, it's the most important thing versus the people that are making it happen
0: yeah I, I'm gonna butcher a quote by Dietrich Bonhoeffer, but I mean, he's the one who said something along the lines of, um, if we value the ideal of the church more than the people themselves, we do a dishonor to both. Mm-hmm. Now, that's that's the layman's version. but I mean the the, the truth is is that if we put um, if we put the ideal of what we think that church needs to look like or what that project needs to look like above the people who are right there, then, then we're missing the people that God actually has called us to love. Right, and it's and, absolute. Oh yeah, and it'll absolutely be messier. Like, oh,
1: for sure. Don't I, miss that. That's the reason but, why so many get hurt. So many people get hurt by the church.
0: Right. Yeah. Exactly. Surprise. I mean, well, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, like, think about it this way. I mean, to to take it back to the some of the artist conversations that we've been having. Um, so often we look at the way that we write songs, and we we are we write songs simply to. Uh, to fill a void where it's like, man, it looks like we need a new song. Let's uh, let's just hammer something out that, that sounds good, that has a good Christian message, and then we'll play it. Um, rather than saying, hey, what do the people here right now need to hear? Mm-hmm. What's going to help them meet with Jesus? What's going to help them realize their potential as children of the living God, people who are already part of that royal family and who are going to now be inspired to live that out? What do they, they need to hear now? And then when you honor that as an artist and as a writer, I think you get to speak into culture and you get to speak into history and be part of the shaping culture or be, being part of the, well, have a prophetic, a prophetic voice into into the world. So,
1: I saw a comment recently. I think it was on Facebook. I don't know if it was you or another artist in Canada, and it was talking specifically about the fact that they – had a song. They were reluctant on releasing the song because the song uh, message was so similar to many other artists uh, that were releasing oh. similar messages at the same time. Again, I don't know if it was you or, or somebody else. I, I,
0: so, so I did, I, I wrote um, a while back, I, I guess they'd be about three or four months ago. I was noticing on the, on the more radio Canadian charts where they were talking about all the songs that are being released. Uh, Canadian Christian songs are being released to Canadian Christian radio. And so many songs were talking about God's heart.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So it was um, you. <laughs> yeah, it was me. Yeah, I do remember that because okay. at f- yeah. Um, so so here's the deal, uh, and this this would be for anybody who's looking to be an artist. Um, the the comparison game that you are going to play in your head and your heart is an absolute lie. Do not listen to it. Now, do be open to people's uh, constructive and critical feedback because you need to grow as an artist. <laughs> right? Um, that's super important. Um, but but what, I, what we need to also realize is that us as, an, as a collective of artists and as a collective of creatives um, should actually have a similar voice because it, it shouldn't be a surprise to us that the Holy Spirit's going to be working in the midst of all of us, bringing things to the surface that are important for the church um, in our local context. And by local, I'm going to say Canada. Um, as you know, or a national context, but um, we, we shouldn't be surprised that, that the Holy Spirit's gonna be stirring in our hearts in similar ways, right? So that the church gets the message, right? And you know, it was a few weeks back or a few months back, rather. I mean, I'm actually, I think I have it on my wall. Let's see, back in May. Um, yeah, I'm looking at the colors after the heart, C3 Saskatoon, inside your heart, um, what Corey Luke, uh, key to my heart, Jake Fretz, I want your heart. There's something about our hearts, guys. Yeah, maybe maybe God's trying to tell us something, eh? Yeah, right. Like, <laughs> and, and it's really funny because at first, my 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 personal and maybe depraved response would be like, "Oh, somebody else already wrote about it. I guess I should just cram my song and and never actually share it." Where in reality, I think the, the a number of us bringing that to the surface and talking about God's heart for us and how our hearts need to respond to Him, I think that was a really timely message in the midst of a in the midst of this covid season where people are feeling isolated they needed to know that they were loved they need to know that they're seen and they need to know that they can bring themselves just as they are to him i I think that's that's it for the lack of a better term that's prophetic that's us speaking in to our current culture and pointing people towards god i think that's that's a great opportunity as an artist rather than a moment for us to wallow in uh in you know what's probably best recognized as fear
1: well, fear to release a song because oh, I don't want it to get confused with another song, or uh, oh, there's too many songs out there with the you know with the the message of heart or God's heart mm. in it. So yeah, I'm just going to hold off on releasing it, and maybe that that's the wrong thing to be thinking. Uh, maybe God has other plans, which is obviously the case in this scenario.
0: Yeah, I, I believe so. I, yeah. I think that's exactly what's going on
1: uh pretty exciting times i guess moving forward as as we get out of this pandemic and uh people start attending church again and like you know you guys which is it's exciting to see what's happening with your church but also with your um group i'll say uh with the reconciliation and it's it's like it's like it's like the pandemic never happened you know what I'm saying it's like you know we've, we've we've kept moving forward we've kept moving forward and that's exciting to see in the church overall where churches have embraced the technology they've embraced the change and and what I see that's really exciting and I've said this in past episodes too if the church hasn't learned from this even from the technology standpoint uh, and offering this, you know, online services as a, as a regular thing. Like don't, don't just stop doing it once the pandemic mm-hmm. is over once, you know, it, there, I believe it. there's a need. I believe it's met a need and you need, you need to continue meeting that need.
0: Yeah. You know, I, when we start running, you know, I work at a church, so we run the numbers of attendance. It's really funny to me to see that um, we have more attending online than we've ever had attending in person. And for a brief season where we were, where we had come out of isolation and we were meeting in person and doing the online, uh, right now, currently we're back to, uh, back to simply just online. Um, but when we were doing both, we actually had a greater attendance than, than ever before. Mm -hmm. And I, I think it just, it's brought to light the, um, the need that people have to be able to, uh, access the church. Yeah. And to do it in, in a non-threatening way. And and I mean, so many times we as churches end up be thinking that what we need is better greeters at the front door. And if they will welcome people in, oh, no, let's move it one step further. Let's move it to the parking lot. Um, folks, it's it's the Internet. <laughs> it's yeah. your, your, your front door is, is online. Um, if you want people to feel like, I mean, all you have to do is think about if you want to learn something, what do you do? You pick up your phone and you say, Siri, show me. And, and you, you Google it, right? You, yeah. you just look it up. Uh, in this case, that's what people are doing about churches. But it, what's great is we're watching people um, be welcomed into the community, welcomed even into an online community um, long before they're ever in a, in a face-to-face community. Um, and sometimes, especially where I live in, in Manitoba, where the population is lower and the communities are, are rural and spread out we're finding people joining in from areas where it'll be a long time until there's a, a face-to-face community there
1: right but right.
0: they're no longer disconnected right and they're no longer getting second best that's the other part of yeah it. Um, and th- and that's really important
1: you know I've I, I think a lot of churches are in that scenario and especially the ones outside of a large uh, urban area where people travel a longer distance to you know to attend church Um sure. I know of one church where a lot of the people that go to church, to that particular church, drive, you know, a good 20 minutes, half an hour to get there. It's not just right around the corner. It's not five minutes away. Um, and so this online church thing has, has been really, really important to them. In fact, uh, in this particular church that I'm thinking of, they were actually looking at the online presence way before covid hit because they recognized that that's the way they could get home groups happening as an example where you could get people together on zoom or whatever other technology and actually have these conversations and these these group sessions and these this time together and building relationships yeah it's online but you know we people willing to drive a half hour 45 minutes to the church on a weekday after work to do the same thing whereas they could do it from the convenience of their couch, but still have that interaction, still have that, um, that social aspect and still have that relationship with the others in that group.
0: Yeah, it's really important. Um, and like you said, I, even right now where we find ourselves in, in rural situations, that's often where our, our potential new sites are coming up. So being, being a church that has multiple sites, we're finding that our, our, our new sites are, are beginning simply as a gathering of people who join us online and then get connected in person um, when allowed, but in person for the the small fellowship aspect because they are local. But there's no way they're ever going to drive two hours to our church, right, for a Sunday morning. Right? Yeah, like that's just that's this is impractical. Let alone the winter when you have feet of snow stopping you. <laughs> it's, it's like it's not going to happen. So, so to be able to be able to gather these small groups of people, um, that that's actually been part of our if I could say, church-planting strategy has uh, been simply using online to connect people. Yeah. So it's it's not going anywhere.
1: Right. Yeah, I think it's yeah. exciting. I think it's exciting. I, I participated in a survey probably about two and a half years ago. Maybe um, – no, maybe it was just about two years ago. And I think in the survey, it was a bunch of people in the room, and there was marketing-type people, there was radio people, there was a bunch of others – and they basically, the question was, how long do you think the church will be around as we know it today? And this was before, you know, uh, churches were getting online as they have been over the last year and a half. So, oh, yeah, uh, it, and I, I was very pessimistic. I said, you know, <laughs> I was, and the reason why is because uh, I'm looking at, you know, who's coming in through the church, you know, the younger generation, and it's fine, you know, the church would continue to meet the needs of the older generations, but the younger people who are online and they're on their devices and whatnot, uh, I I didn't at that time think there was anything for them. And I said, you know, give it five to 10 years. I said, actually, what I said was give it one generation and the church will Mm -hmm. not be as we know it today. It'll be old. It'll be antiquated. It'll be falling apart. Uh, churches will be less. There'll be, uh, as we've seen, anyways, in the past, where churches will join with other churches just for the numbers, right? Sure. And and that's not necessarily a bad thing, but you know, it's it's the churches adapting to what's around us, whether it be technology, whether it be the way people relate to each other, and so you know. You can look at all the negative stuff about this pandemic, and then you can look at the positive spin and what's it co- what it has what it has caused for the church. It's it's forced the church to raise the ceiling. It's forced the church to uh, step up. You know,
0: mm. you know. I uh, so this is a, this is an ongoing conversation that we kind of laugh about amongst the staff. But I am. I, um, my wife would refer to me as rainbows and sunshine. I am like an eternal optimist all the time it, to, to, to maybe to a nauseating fact. Um, <laughs> like, it's, but I got to be honest with you, the the amount of things that we've been able to learn um, from this, from, from COVID and from the season that we've been in, from the season of focusing on technology, also learning how to meet personal needs rather than trying to just do blanket programs. Mm-hmm. I think that's been something that's been really important because uh, when you when you can, instead of having a seniors program, when you're calling somebody up on the phone saying, "Hey, do you have the groceries that you need?" Right, and you're meeting a, like a physical need that somebody has. Um, in in a way, it's it's reduced a lot of what we've done, but I think it's meant that we've had to ask, "Hey, what's the heart behind this? What what should we be doing here? And is there a way that we can love people here that are right in front of us rather than?" Um, us as pastoral staff thinking that we're doing a, some kind of job, and because it's big and because it's fancy and flashy, we think it's important. But really, we're we're just overlooking people left, right, and center. Right.
1: I think uh, I think it, in general, yeah. people aren't looking for programs; they're looking for a community.
0: Absolutely. Um. And and, and they're looking to be inspired, right? Yeah. Like, and and God is inspiring. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. <laughs> like he is. So so we get to be the people that introduce Jesus to others. Um. So if we live with that as our focus, I, I think. I think this pandemic has been, in in many ways, there there's a big side of this that's been a gift. I want to be careful how I say that. Yeah, yeah. I know it's caused a tremendous amount of of heartache um, and, and and just pain. And easy so easy to misquote if
1: people don't know the context. Exactly. Yeah, please, please, yeah, please,
0: be, don't type that one out, sorry, me James. All right, <laughs> that'll be the soundbite, <laughs> and everybody freaking out on yeah. you. COVID is a gift. Um, don't do that. <laughs> um, but 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 yeah, there, there's just been so many sides of this that when we when we pause and we say, okay, what does this tragedy afford us? What opportunities lay here in front of us? And how can we be flexible to, to work with this? I think there's been a tremendous amount of good. And I, I think that's actually probably a good lesson for all of us in, in every se- season that we're in. If we look for the way that Jesus is going to work, he can redeem all things, even this. Um, so it, As as a corporate church here in Canada, and I mean, maybe even say, let's say the Western world, uh, we're seeing ourselves wake up to people again, and that's that's a pretty big deal. People are really close to God's heart, and maybe for a long time we've cared so much about the programs that we've forgotten people. Yeah. So I agree. I agree.
1: That's uh, you couldn't have said it better. Hey, listen, uh, Jake. Uh, appreciate your time. Uh, great conversation. Really enjoyed chatting with you.
0: Thanks, James. I appreciate it. yep it Enjoyed our fun. chat.
1: It was a lot of fun and we'll uh, hopefully be able to do this again.
0: Yeah. I'd love to do that again.
1: Thanks Sounds so much.
0: Sounds good. All right. Take care. Talk, talk to you later. Yep. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
1: Really enjoyed that conversation with Jake Fratz. It's exciting to see how God has used the pandemic as a means of growing, as a means of reconciliation, both in his music as an artist, but also as a church and using the tools that have been available during the pandemic, as an example, online services to grow the church and to meet the needs of the church in a different way. So uh, I've really enjoyed this conversation. Great to hear from Jake and and look forward to seeing all the exciting things that happens with him. Check out his website, jakefretz.com. Time for some artist advice. This week, we welcome back Seth and Jenna from Him and Her Worship.
0: My advice would be to know what your why is. Why are you doing this? Why are you a musician? Why are you an artist? And I think when you clarify your why, then you're singing and you're writing music to the Lord. If it is possible to never lose the wonder in what you do, It's so easy to forget how important and how beautiful and how wonderful it is the opportunity to make art about Jesus, like how incredible that is, and just to never lose the wonder and the gratitude for that opportunity.
1: Wow, so much wisdom there. Never lose the wonder in what you do. The honor and privilege to share your art with others and be present in every moment And know why you do what you do. Some uh, great advice from Seth and Jenna, him and her worship. Well, that is it for this week's episode. We hope you enjoyed the show. Make sure you subscribe to the podcasts for new episodes every Monday. Leave us a rating and a review. That just helps us reach more people. Don't forget, you can comment and follow on Twitter and Facebook at Between Grooves. Hey, see you next week.